We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. TickPick should be your first choice to buy basketball tickets because they save fans money by never charging any service fees, ever. TickPick is the exclusive ticketing partner for the Laker Film Room Podcast and Blue Wire Network. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined by Darius and Mike. And what a night in Dallas. Austin Reeves hits a game winner in overtime after Wayne Ellington hits a, a shot to tie it and send it to OT. Reminded me so much, guys, of that game a couple years ago where Danny Green hit the corner three in the opposite corner. Just a great morale win. There were things that that worked, things that didn't, but... Before we get to all of that and what happened, Mike, you were on the play-by-play on radio, and you killed it, man. You have such a great feel for the moment. I've been editing your clips this morning, putting them to all the the different plays, and just the way you could put punctuation at the end of a play, make it feel really important, man. You just you really killed it there, man. How was your experience doing doing play-by-play? Well, it's really kind of you to say, man. I I I, I think for me, I was just. It was great to do the game, but I was feeling for Billy Mack because yeah. you know I'm texting him the whole time, yeah. and I knew he was back at the hotel, and I'm still kind of hoping as we record that it was some kind of a false positive and he can join us on the plane. But so that was kind of the underlay, right? I found out on the bus going over um, when like Billy wasn't on the bus, and oh, so fun. Ireland no pressure, comes right? up. <laughs> well, but I mean, look, I, I'm I that, I won't complain about that, right? If anybody should be prepared to be able to call a Laker game on a spot, it should be me, right? So I I content wise, I certainly felt like that. I it's more just you know like Pete, when you're editing your own podcast, right? It's like the 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 rhythm and the timing and the, the, all of that kind of stuff for me was what I was trying to focus on and, and needs needs some work certainly but he, what it, I was excited to talk to you guys about the game though because with play by play it's different even from when I'm doing a sideline because when I'm doing sideline I can watch off the ball some like I can look stuff up right like play by play I really have to just be locked in watching intently the whole time and then uh, trying to deal with whatever curveball Michael throws uh, throws on top of stuff. <laughs> And I say that in jest because he, of course, is the best uh, to work with. And and I, I love being next to him. So I, I'm i more like I need to rewatch the game. And I can't I haven't been able to do it yet because since I'm in Dallas, right, I can't watch the league pass replay. 
um, until I get to Minnesota later today. Oh, because so it's blacked out? Yeah, it's blacked out. It's blacked <laughs> out. So I, and I also want to hear Ireland's calls because he, um, for all of his years, right, in L.A. and being kind of one of the, the main man um, sports-wise, he hasn't gotten to do TV um, yet to this point. So I'm super curious to see how um, my guy there, and I'm sure he crushed it. I heard some of his replays uh, or some of the ones that you sent over, Pete, on a text. So, yeah, that's that's enough about me, man. I just I'm I'm excited to dig into the game for sure. It was a great game. Let's let's contextualize this. It was a spirited game. It was a competitive game. It wasn't always a well-played game, but it was a dramatic mm-hmm. game. Yeah. And when a game isn't as well-played, sometimes that can go out the window if the clash is to a certain level. I was enthralled down the stretch. Like, normally... I got my computer in my lap. I got my phone very close by. We're texting. Mike is sort of just like, what'd you see there? Or Pete's sending me stuff about like, oh man, we're doing X, Y, and Z. And I'm chiming in with like, oh, did you see, right? And so, and we're intently watching the game, but we're also sort of like second screening things at times. And that's a good way to see like, oh, who saw what and when. The last the last minute and a half or two minutes of regulation and pretty much all of OT, I was just standing. I was just standing. Same. Same. I was just yeah. watching and like, okay, I'm just going to watch what's going on right here. My kid took over my coffee table. She started to do homework. And I'm just like, oh, I'm just going to stand up now, Ben. And I don't even care. And Pete, the air balls, Pete. The Man. air balls down the stretch were <laughs> so I don't want to like like I'm only going to go there because our spirits are going to be high regardless right now. Right. But the ups and downs and the pressure cooker vibe of those last few few minutes was like I'm like I miss feel I yes. miss those feelings. We yes. haven't had a lot of that, those feelings this season. Th- those moments have been more angsty and there was a fair amount of anxiousness around those those moments but it was sort of just like oh are they going to do it are they going to do it like damn it an air ball and then like oh big three russ reeves like whoever right and and so talk to me about like what your vibe was with like the roller coaster of of all of that because the last seven minutes including the the ot it was like are they gonna be able to do it because even in ot right they're down by three and i'm just like it's slipping away here. Yeah, it felt like it. Uh, at several points, it felt right on the precipice. And one of the things of a team that I know a lot of people have not been terribly fond of, I've really respected this team's resilience. There's already been a few points where things could have gone more sideways than they have. And they've they always fight through it. Like whenever there's that like, oh, if they lose tonight, man, this is we're, we're in trouble type of games. And they've come through. Right. And that isn't any promise of future success. But I do think that even even someone like A.D., who I thought was pretty bad in that first half rebounding for the and being he was excellent in that second half in particular and just the resilience of this team and the ability to shake off an air ball Wayne Ellington right Wayne Ellington was one of those air balls LeBron drove baseline kicked it to the top of the key Wayne's by himself and Wayne missed everything and it was in the last minute of regulation or so and he Tracks down AD fights Porzingis and a couple other guys for a rebound and kind of rests it free. The ball goes flying toward the corner. Ellington tracks it down. 
and he's so calm in the moment. The the smooth gentleman that is uh, Wayne Ellington's jump shot, just shot fake. I think it was Hardaway flew by, then just calmly knocks it down. And when he was done, when he hit that shot, he just walked away like, this is what I do. And the air ball a few seconds ago, like that's the aberration. That's the fluke. That right there is what I do. And so just like mentally from a player, especially as a role player, that takes a level of resilience, Mike, that I've really appreciated in this team. And I thought this game was a great microcosm of a broader thing that's happening throughout the season that, again, doesn't mean guarantee anything long term. But I've respected how this team has been resilient and fought back. Well, first of all, for Ellington, when when he did the shot fake and then just sort of very calmly stepped to the side and, and just let the beautiful jumper go, I was trying to think of the way that Darius described it, like live in the moment. But then I'm like, oh, Pete and Darius would love it if I called it like this. I And I chickened out and I didn't quite <laughs> go for it. And now I regret it. Um, really, like uh, this was going through my head at the time um, as he as he ties the game. And I don't even remember what I said, but I was really trying to think of like, like smoking jacket or like what, you know, what, <laughs> what, would, my, what would my guy have said here? Uh, but I definitely thought of that, and I'm sure I'm sure a lot of the listeners did as well. And I mean, one way for me that I was thinking about this game, and I'm sure we're going to spend some time on Austin Reeves coming up later in the in the pod here. But just the standings perspective of this. So instead of going right back to you know to 15 and 14, just a game above 500. Now they're 16 and 13, right? Like caught the Clippers uh, two games back of the Grizzlies in the fourth spot. Just just a little, like to me, that is has some level of significance because the, the Lakers, they have to separate themselves from that team that's just going to be skirting around 500 where Dallas and Denver are. Minnesota's getting closer to that point and like get more into that range of where Memphis is, uh, where the Clippers have been. And, and the, the way to do that is to win a couple of games, even though Luka didn't play. You know, Dallas has been playing fine. Like Jalen Brunson looked like freaking uh, some almost all-star for half of the game and, and I, I mean no he looked like he he almost looked like uh like a b-plus version of boston isaiah thomas yeah like right? it's like guys, he's like, gonna go he's yeah. finishing at the rim he's getting left whenever he wants like yeah. oh he's just yeah. darting around he's managing the pick and roll he's hitting yeah. jumpers right and it's sort of like there was a game management aspect to him that was different he he, he sort of reminded me of when campaign was really doing his thing for the suns against sure. the lakers last year where it's just like we don't quite have it's like the slippery fish, right? Like you're like you're trying to get your hands around it and just like, oh, he got away again. Yeah. Like, how is he left again, Mike? Like, yeah. how did he keep getting left yeah. again and again and again? And then jump stop, reverse pivot, oh, kick out. Like he was just everywhere. And and it was sort of like it was a different sort of control. And Luca is almost as great as Luke. Luca is like he's your entire game plan you plan like when you yeah. see Dallas on the schedule that's your scout it's like how do we we know the things that they're going going to do and there is an unconventionality to what Dallas is doing now without him that I thought mattered and took the game in a different direction that made it a little bit more difficult for the Lakers to manage and then when it seemed like they finally got a hold of Brunson in his late game situations, then the Mavericks started doing what the Clippers did in that game. The Lakers played last week where they just hit every contested three, including a bank from Kleber, including the one from 30 feet from Hardaway who missed like six straight wide open threes. So 
But Pete, that's where your resiliency point, I think, strikes so true to me, is that a number of different Lakers, including Russell Westbrook, right, hits a big corner three. Then instead of instead of jacking it up again for a hero moment, penetrates it was great and play. kicks. Yeah, we got like a great a great play, right? LeBron, who had been who had not been as high energy in the second half, and I don't know what part of that was due to an ankle or anything else, but gets to the rim three times and finishes a couple of times plus the foul, and then including in overtime, he gets the dunk. I'm um, going downhill after that transition play, which was basically Austin Reeves making the play by hustling. Ellington gets the interception, so. So many plays, Pete, but resilience is, is, I think, a key word there and is was an important way for the Lakers to get to where they're at. Yeah, I'm enjoying us climbing every individual rung of the ladder or whatever analogy or, or uh, putting more pieces of the puzzle together, whatever na- analogy you want to use. Like we beat a Lucas Dallas team. And that only means so much, but we are, I think, in a bigger picture, clearly a better team than we were a month ago. And so long as that statement keeps being true throughout the season, we can build that wave, build that momentum toward the the rest of the season and toward the playoffs. Let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we got to talk some awesome loops. Lakers basketball is finally back. And there's no need to exhaust yourself by searching all over the internet to find Lakers tickets anymore. Because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site. And the only one you'll ever need as your go-to for all NBA tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that other ticket sites charge, which lets them guarantee the best prices on all their NBA tickets. Don't believe it? If you can find better prices on the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in purchase price. I'm excited to see this Lakers squad get out and transition this year, and there's nothing like seeing a great fast-breaking team in person. Visit TickPick.com slash LFR today and use promo code LFR to save $10 on your first order of Lakers tickets. Are you looking for ways to skip the trip to the post office and dodge all that hectic holiday shopping traffic? Why not save time and money with Stamps.com? Stamps.com lets you compare rates, print labels, and access exclusive discounts on UPS and USPS services all year long. It just makes sense, especially if your business sends more mail and packages during the holidays. Whether you're selling online or running an office or side hustle, Stamps.com can save you so much time, money, and stress during the holidays. Access all the post office and UPS shipping services you need without taking the trip and get discounts you can't find anywhere else, like up to 40% off USPS rates and 76% off UPS. Save time and money this holiday season with Stamps.com. Sign up with promo code FILMROOM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, free postage, and a digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to stamps.com, click the microphone at the top of the page, and enter the code FILMROOM. Shoot the ball, Austin. Right? That was just last pod. That was just the last pod. He shot without hesitation in this game. And that, I think, allowed – there are so many teams, D, that defend us in a way where they just sell out toward the paint. Like we made this point a lot with when DeAndre Jordan was starting. But it's still true when we've got the other three – like you've got to protect the paint against us. And that's going to be everyone's game plan. It was interesting playing a game against a Jason Kidd coach team because he had such insight. You, you saw the hard doubles on AD in the first half. They did a couple of things that were interesting. But that last play where Mike was talking about Russ passing up the hero moment, I want to give vote a little bit of credit in the coaching staff they knew kid likes to blitz he likes to be aggressive in his pick and roll coverages he won't do it all the time but he knew they knew he was going to do it there 
So they have they set they have Wayne set the ghost screen and then slip out to the wing and LeBron drags it out to half near half court. When he makes that pass, that jump pass, he's near half court. And that right there is the coaches and the team the, like being ready for that play. The reason you do that is you stretch out the defense. If you run that same pick and roll right at the top of the key and they blitz that, the recovery is much shorter and much easier for the defense to get there. The ball gets swung to Wayne. They're obviously going to close out to Wayne. And of course, their game plan was, we're going to leave Russell Westbrook alone in that corner. And Russ catches the ball, peeks back at the other basket to see how much time he has left. And then this is the value of having a second elite shot creator in the lineup that does not have the initial attention of the defense, right? It's one thing for LeBron to rotate the ball to any number of three and D players for the ball to end up in Russell Westbrook's hands in a situ- in a sort of scramble situation after a trap, he drives, drives right across the lane maintains the passing angle and delivers that pass in Austin's pocket with velocity. Austin then catches and I thought he was going to shot fake rip through and like sidestep left or or take a one dribble pull up. He shoots a rainbow D. He's got such great touch and great feel for the game. I am so blown away by this kid and everybody just the scouting department. I, I, I could go on and on and on, but him being he's a legitimately good player. He's not good for a rookie. He's not good for an undrafted player. He's a good player now. And that blows my mind. I am consistently both surprised and not surprised by Austin Reeves because I'm surprised because he's so young. My wife, we were watching him do post game and my wife's just like, he looks like he's 12. Right. (laughs) And, and he does, he is this baby faced guy. The Lakers are a team full of grizzled veterans And then you've got Austin Reeves over here. So I'm surprised because he's so young. But then I'm not surprised because you can just tell that this kid has been schooled and coached and had a variation of this same exact skill set basically for almost his entire life. Both of his parents were college basketball players. And I, when we always talk about Caruso, we'd bring up, you know, the fact that his dad was a coach. I think that the fact that his parents were players and that influence has a different influence on a player, a, a, a parent that's a coach versus a parent that's a player. I think that the uh, the Hooper genes are very uh, yeah. apparent within Austin Reeves. Well, he just has such a great feel for the game. I'm going to go on a tangent here. When I was home... I was visiting family and I was with some of my friends and one of their nieces is a pretty good basketball player. I I think she's going to be a freshman next year. So she's like a middle schooler and she was playing sort of like a tournament and they brought her up to play like some JV games. And so she's, so she's pretty good. I think she's 13 years old and watching her play and watching Some of these other kids play. Some of these kids are good. They're like, oh, you're like, oh, look at you. You're making plays. And then I was watching her play and I'm just like, she's not as big or as like mature as some of these other kids, but her game was mature. She understands the game. She uh, she understood the game. And there were just simple things that she was doing. Reverse pivot, left hand pass to kick out, right? Like she had, she had a dig down, forced a steal, 
went out and got the loose ball. One dribble up court, look up court, cross court. Hit ahead, yeah. The hit ahead for a layup, teammate missed. But it was just sort of like, oh, you get it. Like, you get it, right? And that's the sort of stuff that when I'm watching basketball, that stuff pops to me. Like, do you get it? And when I watch Austin Reeves play, I'm just like, no, man, this dude gets it. He gets it. He understands all the passing angles. He understands the reads. He understands... When we were talking about like, shoot the ball, shoot the ball. The thing is, is that Reeves is still getting a sense of like NBA athletes and how quickly they're on him and him being, you could tell this dude's been known as a shooter probably his entire life. And he's been treated a certain way by defenses his entire life. And it's one of the reasons why he's so good at attacking closeouts. He's probably been attacking closeouts since he was 10 years old, right? Because it's like... No, no, no. This dude, you don't leave that dude open. Yeah, that's when you're playing those AAU games, those high school games, that's you always hear that shooter, shooter, right? And what that yeah. means, that's communication to your players is we're defending this person in a different way than probably anybody else on the court. And so, Mike, when he is when he's on the court and he is seeing the game, you could tell he has real guard skills. He's got real offensive understanding as well. And he just has a great feel for the play that needs to be made. And it was great to see Frank trust him. Like, Frank clear, like, he's been closing games. He is an undrafted rookie, was in the transfer portal after his sophomore season. And he is now closing games next to three Hall of Fame players. It's just like, okay, like how far can they go with him? I, I am thrilled to the level that he's been playing. So two different things here. One is is his specific fit and why I think it works with the Lakers, and it might be different with other teams. And then want to do a little bit of a of a personal thing on him, kind of going back to Summer League and even seeing him on the bus last night. But first of all, there's a reason that he's able to, I think, have this level of, of success with what his skill set is next to a team um, that has players like LeBron uh, on it specifically. And if you were to put Reeves on, and he was an undrafted free agent, and he went to a place like Oklahoma City or Sacramento or one of these places, he's going to be with first-round picks, like young guys that even if he plays a little bit better then, it's just really hard to justify giving the proper minutes to, um, even if he's doing all the little things right. Because there's that's just that's part of this NBA ecosystem of what ultimate value is. And but the fact that the Lakers, A, were so shorthanded uh, because of all the injuries, B, had to just find so they didn't have a second round pick. So the, the Lakers got instead was like, all right, don't worry, we got you. We'll still pull out the guy that's the best player in the second round and we'll just get him um, undrafted instead. You know, and they did the same thing. Now, it was a little different the way that they did it with uh, with Caruso because they had to actually scout him on a different G League team and then bring him into their summer league team. But they basically were able to do that all along. And so, you know, again, just yeah. I'm always wanting to shout out Jesse Buss and his scouting crew um, and then Palenka for for sort of trusting that and bringing and bringing this guy in. So here he is now and why for all of the different skill sets and the different players that Caruso and Austin Reeves have, I think the most one of the biggest commonalities is what you just talked about, Darius, that they just get basketball in a certain way that supersedes a lot of the other individual skill stuff uh, that is so obvious. And and not to say that they don't have great individual skills or athletic talent, which they do, which um, can sometimes be masked by you see the guy in the gym. Oh, it's the shooter. 
you know, Pete, part of that is, uh, is sometimes like, oh, that's there's the white guy. Yes. Which, uh, oh, 100%. You know? Man, they're targeting him. F- F- Vogel was talking about this after the game, about how defenses don't really know him. And so defense uh, on when we're on defense, they're being like, oh, yeah, we're going to we're going to pick on him. Right. We don't we don't yeah. know. We're going to see what he's got. And he's held his own. So, yeah, that's absolutely a dynamic. Yeah. And they tried to do that early with Caruso, too. And then they were like, oh, we probably shouldn't go at him on defense. It, it took him a little while to realize right. that. But uh, but OK, so so now just to get to part of the other stuff with Reeves and, you know, he I. So I'm walking out of the press room. Finally, Westbrook is the last guy to go. And Reeves had just gotten all the rest of his stuff. Uh, he, of course, had been drenched in uh, in the water bath and and all that. And and I was just kind of talking to him like, like, so how many texts you get? And he's like, and, you know, he's so shy. He's like, oh, man, I can't. He did. He did respond briefly to his dad, his mom, his, his uh, grandma, and I think his brother. Uh, and, you know, he's holding the game ball. He's walking out and you can just just the kind of the look on his face. Right. is just so priceless. And then he gets on the bus. But then he just, you know, he's by himself. It's not like he's got he doesn't have a crew there, you know, like other than his teammates who just around him. He gets on the bus, you know, like he's just kind of sitting there and then he takes out his phone. Right. And I I had to walk back to go uh, to to the back of the bus to grab something. And he's just like he's just like in his phone, you know, like all of us are after a moment like that, probably just like, oh, wait, here's a here's a, a. post from LeBron and like shout out to, to Roe and Abigail who work for the Lakers staff who got all these great yeah. images yeah. in the locker room. And there's this one on the court with like LeBron looking at him, just these priceless things, right? That you like, this is the, you know, probably the second best uh, player of all time or arguably the best player of all time sharing this moment with you. And, and like, that's going up on the wall right there. Like along with when eventually one day in 10 years, LeBron does retire the assigned, you know, personal note in Jersey, like just all of these moments happening while he just won them a game, these historic type of moments. And all of this is happening at one time. Uh, and, and it's not going to be the last t- moment of some kind, because guess what? He's now shown that he deserves these minutes. And this is one of those things, Pete, that it's kind of like a Caruso didn't have this type of moment early in the season, right? Where like he had his own walk-off type moment. He had the like guys like us arguing for his net rating. Right. You know? And so, in totally different circumstances too, right? Yeah. Like on on pretty bad teams when when he started you know, started with the Lakers and then that year where LeBron was injured and at the end of the season he had like a he put I think 32 and 10 on your boy Lou Will, right? And and uh you know, <laughs> yeah, the Clippers uh, late in the season, he, yeah. he had some uh he had some uh you know, some moments like that, but certainly nothing like this, man. I can't imagine what he's going through, what his like just experience. There's also a certain amount of like sudden fame that especially if you're like Kuz went through this. We had Kuz mania. Kuz, you know, kills it during summer league. We've had bad Laker teams for like six, seven straight years. And, you know, all of a sudden we have like one of the greatest. I would put that against any summer league of all time, by the way, that that particular team. But anyway, just like this sudden going from obscurity to Laker fans absolutely love you around the world. It's got to be quite the experience for for Austin. Let's take another quick break. I want to shift our attention to a lineup thing that I thought was very telling and very interesting from this game. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. There have been several times throughout this season, D, and I've, I've mentioned where I've been like, oh, no, not like that. And it's uh, with respect to AD at the five lineups and LeBron at the five lineups in particular. Things like putting LeBron in a no roller behind drop against a, a lob guy or something like situations where like we're not going to win this. The LeBron at the five groups got their butts kicked in this game. And it's the only reason that game was was close is those minutes weren't even that they didn't even last very long. Frank went away from it well, like two minutes and 30 seconds into the fourth quarter because it got its butt kicked the second time after it happening in the first half. In this particular instance, it was not me watching and going like, that's not how this group should play. It was, oh, no, this is a legitimate weakness of the group. And I thought Chris Epps Porzingis was really at the center of what gave that group problems. And as we progress throughout this season, we've talked so much about the idea of should AD start at the five? Should LeBron play the five? And those are becoming codified within what we do. Now there's going to be different versions of that, of what those groups should look like. And I thought last night, Kristaps Porzingis in particular, illuminated a, a weakness that is, was not a, a weakness that will persist throughout that group. And not a lot of second units have a 7-3 dude that can go over the top of you. So maybe it's not a, a big deal. But talk to me about what you saw in that group uh, of a group that's been great throughout the rest of the season that really got dominated last night. So... I'm going to talk more about what the Mavericks were doing defensively because okay. that's where I was focused with that unit. Um, and maybe, you know, you and Mike can, can chime in with some of the stuff that was happening from the Lakers defense. I don't want to try. I just want to prompt with Jason Kidd kind of knowing like LeBron and AD and that. And so I just want to prompt to Great see point. If you yep. bring that into it. So I thought Porzingis's impact defensively was even greater than his impact offensively. Because what Absolutely. the Mavericks did is they told Porzingis, you go guard Kent Bazemore. 
or you go guard Avery Bradley, right? I think in the first half, it was Bradley. And in the second half, it was Bazemore. And it was you, they're going to park that guy opposite corner. And you then get to protect the paint and protect the paint. Just stand there. All you got to do is stand there. This team is small. The Mavericks basically saying like, we'll go big during some of these minutes too. So like Kleba, you go guard LeBron. So we've got size on LeBron and we've got size on the back line. And most teams cannot play small against the Lakers or even play a big man because that big man typically has to guard LeBron. And so the only rim protector is the guy who's on the ball, right? And so LeBron's like point center, but the Mavericks solved that equation by basically saying, we've got a 7-3 dude that we think we can put on one of your wings. And now he's protecting the paint. And I thought that cutting off the Lakers faucet in the paint with that LeBron at the five group is that's how the game shifted to me because then that that's why they play that group Pete it's to like yeah we're gonna spread you out we're gonna go five wide and LeBron's got driving lanes Russ has driving lanes and then those driving lanes turn into driving kicks for open threes or layups or fouls then the Lakers get to set their defense and now they're scrambling all over the court but none of that happened And I thought a a big piece of it was that Porzingis was just sort of back there, like challenging shots in the paint, forcing misses, showing that he's the second help. And so LeBron and Russ are just like, oh, you're second help. We have to hold up and we're going to end up shooting more jumpers than what they like. And so I thought that was a bigger part of things. But maybe you were seeing things on the other side of the floor, too, because I know when you started texting, you were just like, man, Porzingis just shooting over the top of us right now. You know, it was really, it was really more the defensive end, mm. like that idea of going over the top. Mike is a two way thing, right? It's the ability to get an offensive rebound, and then it's like with a guy like Porzingis, if you don't strip him down low, once he gets the ball past his waist, the play is basically over. If he's around the basket, and if, if you're small, right, you can contest him. He doesn't go up particularly strong. He can be bothered. But on the defensive end, that idea of spreading you out, of uh, of getting to the basket, that is like D said, the idea behind the LeBron groups. And so if you're putting obstructions in the way, but the key to that is having a player that he can not worry about on the three point line like and so where the point that i'm taking this toward is russ i think russ complicates those lineups sometimes with lebron at the 5 because if you can cheat off of someone like the idea with lebron at the 5 i think it's important that you can't cheat off of anyone as a three point shooter anyway from your perspective mike what did you see in those groups cuz those we got dominated in those groups and I, I heard you mention uh on a couple of the clips like you alluded to that that smaller lineup usually getting stops but not not this time yeah, but so you guys just answered it, right? I think that it, it was all about that one player that Dallas knew that they had that could kind of junk up uh, what in and a couple of other teams will have a player that could do something like that, too. You know, like you could have like Aiden could do something like that in Phoenix. But so it's important. That's the important thing, I think, for mm-hmm. not just Frank Vogel to see, but LeBron. And now they'll get in the film room. And, and it's not I think the good news is they have the ability to counter that by either just putting AD in or like removing Westbrook and putting a shooter in or like there's a couple of things that you can do there to the point where I still think that offensively the Lakers can find an answer on their roster 
to almost sure. any scheme. Uh, and I and, and that's why you get back to where Vogel's focus is in this whole discussion we've been having all year about how do I get this group up to a baseline defensive level? And oh, and he defense, has, by the way. He yes. has, yes. yeah. Well, but, but I mean, uh, so I shouldn't have said baseline. He wants to get them to uh, closer to an elite, right, group, which is challenging with this group. But, hey, all of a sudden, where are the Lakers in defensive rating? 11, but they're 107.2. But Milwaukee is 106.7 in the seven spot, and Utah is 106.1 in the five spot. So, like, they're starting to flirt with with getting back into that territory. Mike, since Thanksgiving, they're seventh. Since we benched DJ, we're fourth. Yes. Yeah, and and, and that's going to go up even, you know, that's going to go up game by game these last couple of games. Yeah. And Frank's been getting creative with these groups. I've loved it. Jason Timpf, and if you don't follow him, you should. He is a LeBronologist, I would call him, because he has followed LeBron a lot over the course of his career. But he's a smart basketball mind. And I think he played like junior college level and mm-hmm. he just has a good sense for the game. Him and our guy Raj, Unwritten Rules, they do post-game stuff and and they have a great pod as well. He pointed out some actions defensively today in his rewatch that I thought were interesting that Frank's been doing. Like he was having AD stick with the roller and then show guard help on dribble penetration instead and Frank is finding ways to like sort of junk. I don't want to say junk up things, but but just sort of like throw wrinkles at guys. It's just like, okay, maybe I can't have you do low man stuff, but can you do this? Right? Because Frank no Frank knows like we gotta defend. We gotta get stops. And the only way we're gonna be able to run is if we get stops. And the only way we're going to not even just run for like transition baskets, but get into early offense situations. Like some of the Lakers best stuff comes out of like Russ dribbling into a post up. And then the other team still fears that Pete, like Russ is darting up the left or the right sideline. He sees a small guy on him and he's like, I'm going right into the post and defenses are just like, wait, you're only eight feet from the basket and you're Russell Westbrook. Like and they have to, they have to react to that. Like I'm and you're help. going up against a smaller player. And then that's causing all of these automatic triggers with cuts. And yes. And then the Lakers now LeBron has talked about this, like with the idea of reps. Right. And so you start to, you're seeing the benefit of those reps. Like those reps are starting to pay off with cuts. LeBron had a couple of great second wave cuts over the last several games where it's just like, oh, look at him. And he is thundering down the lane on these cuts, Mike. And and it's sort of just like, that's the LeBron as the secondary guy that can just destroy teams as well. Well, talk to me about Russ, though, too, in that action. And the one play where LeBron feeds AD and then Westbrook cuts baseline. Yeah. Remember that play? Yeah. Yeah. Like in that, that one's, that's, those guys, if they if they all see that play the same way, that can happen a lot. Like, it doesn't matter who the cutter is, right? Mike, Russ in the dunker spot has been wonderful. And that's one of the things that, like, combined – I love that you brought up that play because that's AD flashing into the lane. And you got to guard AD on the little floater, those little push shots. And then AD's ability to recognize Russ in the dunker spot. And then Russ cutting to the basket at the right time. Like, you start to see this synergy, and it's really exciting. Well, some of that stuff, too, was – that's – improvisation right so lebron's in a post up i think russ might have entered to lebron russ clears baseline and then ad comes and he's like 
okay, well, let's run, let's run a little pick and roll right here. Like we're 15 feet out. I'm going to screen for you. And Braun sort of waves, waves him off. Like I got it. So AD clears and then he like circles back and Braun hits him. And then Russ never cleared all of the way corner. Or if he did, he lurked back in. And then AD elevates, and then defense is just like, oh, contest, contest, contest. And then AD's just like, oh, simple dump off to Russ. And it's very similar to some of the pick and roll stuff that you'll see with LeBron and AD, where you can activate Russ as an off-ball cutter. And these are the reps. This is the stuff that they're going to have to figure it out because teams are going to continue to cramp the paint they're going to continue to sort of show extra attention and they're going to continue to cheat off of guys who they think are non-shooters well if you're going to cheat off of me then i'm going to duck behind you and i'm going to hide like i'm sort of barry sanders behind a big offensive lineman and then i'm going to creep through and now here i am surprise look i'm wide open and now i've got a layup and it's That's the stuff that you can't plan for as much if these guys are feeling it together. Like you said, these are the reps that where the everything starts to to bake, the the cake starts to bake and things start to come together and seeing the same defensive coverages and getting to that point where Russ is. That's one thing that stood out to me about this year is that Russ's three point shooting has not been problematic. Like we haven't been in late game situations with LeBron on the floor where it's like, oh, they're cheating so hard off of Russ that we just can't score. We can't make a play happen. And really, that's where getting to like that's the goal is we know what you're going to do. It's obvious how you want to guard us. Us getting to the point where it doesn't matter anymore is really important. And to bring it back to to earlier Austin Reeves I think is an important player within that somebody who can extend advantage somebody who can capitalize and hit a big shot and isn't afraid of that moment Mike bring us out here Mike well two two thoughts one just that we talked before the game about the sort of the guys that could fill in for the guys that were out due to health and safety protocols and I thought that all went fine right as long as you have your baseline LeBron and AD and to an extent Russ then Ellington can step up a little bit more. Reeves can step up a little bit more. DJ can come in and play some of the minutes that Dwight was doing, even if he you know, doesn't um, have quite the same skill set. So I think the Lakers can continue to build um, throughout this pending and knocking on wood here that there aren't more cases, uh, which, you know, again, is it seems unlikely, frankly, when you look around the league at this current moment. But the immediate thing, and I just <clears throat> I want one thought from you guys each on this one, thinking about Minnesota. And there are some similarities with Dallas in terms of Cat being a threat from the three-point line, uh, like Porzingis is, who can also go inside and just beat you up. And now he does it in a different way than Chris Tapps does, but he's a center that you sort of always have to be aware of. They don't have that Brunson type who's going to just screen roll you to death. Although, I mean, D'Lo can a little bit, but you know we know D'Lo. He'll it's he's gonna he's gonna want to take jump shots a little bit more often. And then Anthony Edwards, who just hit 10 threes. In their last game and the Lakers don't really have an ideal matchup for him right now. You know, that, that might have been the guy where you have THT on a little bit more often. But I mean, I guess for me, it would probably be Russ, you know, just kind of athletically and physically and, and trying to battle and then having AD switch out, frankly. And if, if Edwards wants to step back and take threes again, you just hope he doesn't make 10 of them. Uh, and keep him away from the rim. But that's an interesting one for me. And if the Lakers can find a way to win that, you know, then they're going to, to a Chicago team that's still going to be even more shorthanded, um, p- potentially, with with even though I think they might get to Rosen back. So 
you know, they they really do have a chance to build on this and to to try and, and bring three wins home uh, and have something actually, you know, really push forward into the holidays here. Yeah, it's exciting. And Mike, I would say of the struggles that we had and have had at the beginning of this season, that second half against Minnesota was probably the lowest point, I thought, of caliber of basketball and zest and spirit and all of that that we played with. So um, even beyond the matchups, then there's a certain we have something to prove in the same way that we did to not lose a third time to OKC type of thing. We'll be back tomorrow to discuss that matchup and a lot more here on the Laker Film Room podcast. Baines has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tips to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic got it. Magic fires. It's good. And the Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Three seconds left. That next to the winner. It's on the way. Good. Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds. With his eighth block shot, the NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans okay, sticking so around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's Trying to disrupt Rondo, he puts it in. Here's Davis, 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters.